Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Welcome into the podcast, PHNX Cardinals, Bo Brock, Howard Balzer, legendary NFL scribe, joins the show, filling in for Johnny Venerable as he makes his move out of the Copa and back to civilization. Excited about that, but more excited to talk to you fine folks today, talk some Arizona Cardinals football. Howard, how we doing, my man? I'm doing well, doing well, enjoying a little somewhat downtime at this time of the year, but you start looking at that calendar and all of a sudden it happens every year, man, looking forward to some time where there's not a lot going on. And before we know it, it'll be the middle of July and we'll be saying training camp starting in two weeks. Yeah. So. It's unreal. It's unreal. You start, you're like, what, what can we talk about, especially on a daily show? And you never short on, on topics and content as far as the NFL goes, but you know, you've got about a six week stretch during the, the entire year, during 52 weeks during the year, uh, where it's just like six weeks where you don't have anything going on. And then next thing you know, you're in the grind and it's nonstop through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. And then you got the offseason, NFL draft season. So this is the one dead period. So there's a couple of things that, you know, you start thinking about looking forward to the season. And Howard, when we start to look forward to this Arizona Cardinals season, Kyler Murray, of course, coming off the knee injury, having surgery January 3rd, the rehab, it continues to kind of take a, cu- a couple headlines here and there throughout this offseason. What are the biggest challenges Kyler Murray is facing coming off his first major injury of his career? You've noted several times that Kyler has had several injuries before, but none of this significant. So we'll get into that. Plus, you have some contract solutions. You've got a, part of your expertise is uh, looking deep, diving some of these contracts and looking at some potential solutions between the cards and their star safety. So we'll get into that. But first and foremost, want to thank everybody for joining us. Mr. J, I see you. Let's go, boys. Fishbowl Flash. Thanks for joining us as you do every day. Thank you for today, Howard. Absolutely. Always thankful and grateful when we get a guy like Howard on the show. Make sure if you're listening, you subscribe to the podcast. Leave it a five-star rating and and a review as well. And like and subscribe to this channel on YouTube. Howard, what are your first thoughts of when you think about Kyler Murray and the challenges that the star quarterback is going to face uh, coming back from from knee surgery? There's so many challenges. And... There's no shortage of them, probably, is the best way of looking at it. And while they're all important, whether you talk about rust when he comes back and getting back into rhythm and all those things, the biggest challenge that I see from this with the timing of everything is when will he be able to practice? And that doesn't sound like a big thing, but it should be. I mean, Colt McCoy talked about it a few weeks ago. When he was saying how important all this time in the OTAs and minicamp was for him and the receivers and the running backs, offensive line and everybody to be getting on the same page and make some of those mistakes that you make in a new system 
in practice in the preseason. So hopefully you don't repeat them and you, you're able to get into a rhythm. So my biggest question, I don't, I don't know if it's fair, Bo, to call it a challenge, but it's a question. When will he be able to actually get on the field and practice? And I'm very curious about how the Rams will treat his roster status when training camp begins. And let's remember, this is what was it? I think it's five weeks from tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals veterans report. And so my biggest question is, will the Cardinals put him on physically unable to perform or will they not do that so that little by little, he will be able to do some things on the field during training camp, even if they're not big time things, because if you're on that physically unable to perform list, you're not allowed to practice at all. Now you can come off it anytime during the preseason, but if you go on it, when on the reserve list, when the season starts, can't you play until after four games, but you can't even practice for that period of time. So I don't know how the Cardinals navigate that in terms of how they get him enough reps in practice, understanding the offense, going through things, working with new receivers, and how much time are they going to be able to give him before they say, okay, he's ready to play. Yeah. Because if you, if he's on that reserve list and he doesn't start practicing till after the season starts, well, there's not a whole lot of reps in practice during during the season. You're getting your quarterback ready for the game that week. So to me, that's the biggest question is getting him comfortable and really mentally and physically comfortable with this system. After that, yeah, there'll be the usual stuff. There'll be some rust. There'll be some issues with new players and, and all those things. But like I said, to me, that's the biggest question is when how do you get him prepared for that time when he's going to – start playing again and going into a game. Yeah, I mean, with the regime change, the moves in the front office, obviously the coaching staff, uh, that plays a major role in this, learning a new system. And I I think as far as to a lot of your points you made, that could be the biggest challenge for Kyler Murray. But then also you take into account that this is a guy that wasn't playing his best football in 2022 when he went down with the knee injury. I mean, this is not him trying to pick up where he left off Cliff, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury's kind of uh, air raid system or his take on the air raid in a system that Kyler Murray's pretty much played in since his freshman year in high school. This is he's taking on and he's going to learn a brand new system that, you know, I found interesting. I was I was listening to Colt McCoy. He joined Chris Long on his podcast, the Greenlight podcast, and he was talking about this system and Colt McCoy was was saying that he's doing things that even in his 20-year NFL career, he's never done before. Like Colt McCoy sat there and, and talked to Chris Long, and this was something I'd picked up with when learning about Drew Petzing and what you know he did as, along with the quarterbacks in Cleveland last year and you know what we could pretty much see him try to take with him from Cleveland to Arizona, and it was working with Deshaun Watson as far as his footwork. And that's in that that kind of I, I was intrigued by that because Kyler Murray has been a guy that's been pretty comfortable just standing back there in the shotgun and him getting under center and then dropping back, taking you know, three, five, seven step drops is not something that he's accustomed to. And I'm curious to see if, if that's something that's going to present a challenge in itself going forward. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you know, we've heard we've seen we've heard a lot throughout this off-season program 
about how there seems to be this emphasis on running the football. And you know, we heard Will Hernandez talked about it. James Conner talked about it. That definitely seems something that they want uh, want to be able to do, which is fine. I mean, that's that's a great goal to have. But the reality is you're not going to be able to run the ball effectively, A, unless you have a really good put-together offensive line, but B, are able to pass the ball. Because if, if, you're not, if you're not functional in the passing game and have some threats there, then a defense is just going to come up and say, okay, they're going to try to run. We'll just stack the box and, and let them prove that they can throw the ball on our defense. So all of those things enter into it. And I know on the surface, Bo, when we talk about learning and offense, that was a great point that Colt made because you can have it right in your mind. You yeah. can learn the calls and, you know, hey, we heard Clayton Toon, the rookie, talking about how he's coming along and starting to feel comfortable with it. But there's a difference between knowing it in your head and then carrying it out on the field and knowing where receivers are going to be, have the trust that they're going to be where they should be, and and working with those receivers. Oh, what do they like? Where do they like the ball? All, all those different things doesn't, doesn't just happen by osmosis. You have yeah. to work on that, and you have to practice it. And so – that to me is the biggest question. Yeah, you know, I thought it was pretty funny when Colt talked to us. He he went through a lot of those things. He didn't mention what you said, whether he mentioned the Chris Long, but he did say how important it was to be going through all this. And then when someone asked him about Kyler and that aspect of it, he said, Well, you know, I mean, he's he's been around, he's been playing football for a long time. So it was like he didn't want to come out and say, Yeah, it's gonna be a tough challenge for him. He didn't right. want to say that, you know, precisely and publicly. But I don't think it takes a brain surgeon to realize that that is going to be a work in progress whenever he gets out on the field. And even if you have three weeks of practice or a month of practice, that's not the same as a game. So you still have to have those game reps for for it to <clears throat> excuse me for it to occur. And you, you mentioned Deshaun Watson with Cleveland last year. We saw the rust that he had when he finally got on the field for the Browns, and that was a different situation. He wasn't come back from an injury. Yeah, he played in a longer time than than Kyler will have. But then there's also the stuff in the, in your mind. Will Kyler? Another challenge is, will he feel that totally comfortable to to use his legs, like we all know is a big part of his of his game and that what makes him so dangerous. He has to have in his mind that I can't worry about my knee. I can't worry about it anymore. I've just got to go out there and play football. And so that's a hurdle that he has to overcome also. Yeah. So this is Colt McCoy. He joined Chris Long on the Greenlight podcast, and he was talking about the challenges that he's even in going through learning Drew Petzing, Petzing's offense and the footwork that's involved in it. Like I had a conversation with him today, like, hey, like here's one of the, one of the footwork things they're asking us to do that like has been hard for me, right? I've been doing it one way for almost 20 years. And now we're, you know, now we're flipping our feet and like trying to play it a little bit different. I was like, whenever you get out on the field, like you need to call me because this is di- this is probably the most different thing that we're doing than yeah. than what we're used to. That's going to be hard to like understand. So it's you hear Colt McCoy say that, and it sounds pretty simple, right? You know, it, they'll just tell you, hey, you know, obviously this is how you want to pivot, this is how you want to drop, that, that it, it just, just normal footwork stuff. But you know, Drew Petzing, when he talked about it last year in the challenges he was asked about that Deshaun Watson was facing, this was what Petzing had to say to kind of get more context about what 
he means when they're working on footwork. Yeah, and a lot of it is is just tying it to the concepts as much as anything. But certainly there's always an adjustment when you come into a new system in terms of what we're going to ask him from a footwork standpoint of saying, hey, you know, we're going to put this foot forward. We want you to hit in this rhythm. We want to take these hitches. Uh, we want to make sure you're moving on your progression when you're at this place in the footwork. And I think there's always going to be some things that we're going to teach differently in that regard. It's really, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's, it's something that, you know, I know Cleveland, their media, once they kind of found out about it, it was a storyline that they continued to kind of follow up on with Petsing, with Watson, and you would see it evolve from a week-to-week basis. And it's, it's, it's something that I think can't be, you know, it, it shouldn't be overlooked because of, of Kyler Murray and the type of offense that he's played in. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's been standing back in the shotgun for so long. So to just say, you know, hey, get under center, take the ball from the center's hands and then drop back five to seven steps and then fu- boom, fi- go through your progressions. Like it's not that freaking simple. It's actually really challenging. And also to throw in the wrinkle that like, Hey, Drew Petzing, Jonathan Gannon, everybody involved wants you to kind of do this sp- in a specific manner and find it in a specific rhythm and concept. I mean, it, it, it is, it sounds like it's going to be a, a big part of this process and I think you can throw it in there with a lot of the challenges that Kyler Murray and now Colt McCoy are going to face in running this offense for the first time. Yeah, no question. And it probably is, when you look at it that way, from a, that precise a standpoint, it probably is the biggest challenge. And then it plays into what we talked about earlier in terms of the time that he has. I mean, it's one thing that the coaches say, this is what we want it. This is the way we want it. And you understand it as a player, Right. But it's just not automatic that you start doing it. You, you need those reps. That's why you have practice. You need that practice so where you're not thinking about it. I mean, how many times do we hear, or whoever the player is, you know, that you want them out there on the field not having to think about what they're supposed to do? Because yeah. when you have to think about it, you can't play fast. It ha- you have to get to that point where it's just automatic. You're just doing the things you were coached, and you just go out there and do them without thinking. And that just doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, it takes practice, and it takes those reps. And and that's why one of the first things I posed, how the Cardinals are going to handle this, that if they feel when training camp begins, and so we're basically what, you know, we'll we'll call it January 3rd, you know, August 3rd is is what, that's eight months. So you're Mm -hmm. pretty close to when a guy should be able to be doing some things. And so that that's why I I, I do wonder if they they'll say, hey, we, we can't afford to put him on physically unable to perform, even if he's just out there in practice working on footwork and doing those things on the field and throwing doing this and doing that, even if it's not at a high rate of speed, at least he's starting, you hope, to get comfortable with all these things. And so yeah. in a normal situation, a guy, you know, if it was the pre, you know, if it was still the same coaching staff. And he knew the offense and all that. Well, you could wait a couple of weeks, probably. Mm-hmm. So you know you're you're not losing any time. But every day he misses is a day you can't get back. And so I think you know that that'll be that'll be very very intriguing to see what they do. Because the other point is, when you when you're on the field, you're not on physically unable to perform. That means you passed your physical, right? Yeah. You can't then go on physically unable to perform after that. If all of a sudden something happens and he has a setback or something happens with the knee then you don't have an option there except at some point perhaps, you know, to put him on injury reserve 
where he have to miss three games and he can't practice then either. So yeah. this is a fine line, I think, that the Cardinals are are, are walking with kind of a tightrope in effect to decide how they're going to do this to be able for him to get some work that will not hopefully be detrimental to his physical situation. You know, it's interesting. Like, it's not like it's unprecedented. We've seen players come back, even at the quarterback position, in similar timelines. I think Joe Burrow maybe was about uh, just a couple weeks uh, before Kyler Murray would have gotten injured in his season that he had the knee injury, but also not as mobile of a guy. Carson Wentz, his timeline matches up almost exactly the same with Kyler Murray's. But Joe Burrow was cleared and did not start training camp on the PUP. Uh, I'd have to look back to see, you know, what Wentz's situation. He came back after three weeks, uh, the, the, the follow-up year to the Eagles Super Bowl uh, run, and it was back in the starting lineup. So be interesting to see. You know, we've heard from Jonathan Gannon on several occasions say Kyler Murray has to check two boxes. One, he has to be physically 100%, and then the next box is he has to be 100% mentally because of – the impact, you know, an injury, a non-contact injury, a move that he's made thousands of times on the football field before, and it's the same move that he made to injure his knee. Is he going to be able to kind of get it together between the ears? Everybody killing it in the chat. Agent 47 saying K1 needs to prove uh, he's a great leader inside and outside of the field, and he needs to avoid the cards to get the first pick. Next year, absolutely. And then uh, we got Han shot first saying, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of pressure taking off Kyler being a ground and pound team moving forward. Sure, getting under center, handing the ball off to James Conner, whoever might be in the backfield, the running back position for the Arizona Cardinals. And then Jose, you know, to our points, precisely what he's been talking about. Timing is everything along with football technique. This game isn't as easy as people think. Absolutely, it's not. But, uh, you know, there's three things here. Kyler Murray, obviously, learning the new offensive system and everything that goes with that, like the footwork with, you know, the, the rhythm, the timing, and then there's knocking the rust off that that he, you're going to have naturally coming back from a serious injury uh, and then getting back on track, getting back on that star player trajectory that he once was on that was kind of stunted in the 2022 season when the Arizona Cardinals, for whatever reason, just couldn't get on the same page, and it led to them hitting kind of the reset button on this franchise. But uh, I want to get into the other star on the other side of the football with the Arizona Cardinals and Buda Baker because Howard Balzer has some interesting insight and some potential solutions for the Arizona Cardinals in their star safety Buda Baker that they could come to here. Uh, But first I want to tell you, of course, about uh, what we got going on with our friends over at Pens and Aces. I got the Pens and Aces hoodie. I got the golf polos. Pens and Aces is quickly... Uh, invading my closet space these days, and rightfully so, because it's legit golf gear for everybody out there, and you can save 50%, 15%, 1-5 off your first order. Penzas Aces is the official golf apparel partner of PHNX and all city. Of course, check out the Big Drive Energy podcast, wherever you find podcasts. But we love our Pens and Aces gear. Go to the website, check out pensandaces.com and see all the great gear from polos, hats, golf bags, favorite beer sleeve that can Actually, store seven beers inside your golf bag. Keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out Pins and Aces. Save some money while doing so. 15% off with the code PHNX when you go to pinsandaces.com. Also, 
Another code that you want to use, PHNX, when you sign up and you get in on BetMGM. They've got the three-ball challenge, and you want to sign up with the code PHNX. This is stuff that golfers' dreams are made of. You and three guests could be teeing off in one of the most legendary courses uh, as far as top of the ranks for the PGA three-ball challenge. Take your swings uh, at the free-to-play challenge by revealing your roster of golfers for each week's tournament Players with the best performing golfers will snag awesome weekly prizes and also be entered to win a shot at a to win an end of the season grand prize for foursome at the TPC Sawgrass. Three thousand dollars in withdrawable bonus dollars can be used to travel, accommodations, food, and beverages. Only way to win is to do it through BetMGM and using that promo code PHNX. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use that code PHNX for a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our AZ audience, you can get up $100 in bonus bets for your first wager with BetMGM. Use that bonus code PHNX. Check out the show notes for the full details. And now listen to our guy Shane talk about it in the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. So Buda Baker was at minicamp on the sidelines, no shoes. Shoeless Buda Baker was hanging, taking practice, hanging out with his teammates, his coaches, but he wasn't participating in practice. So the saga kind of drags on here, Howard. And uh, you're dialed in as far as looking into contracts, knowing the insights, the ins, the outs, and then also uh, talking with different agents around the league. And when you were coming on the show, you said, I, I want to talk about this Buda Baker contract thing because you think you have some solutions potentially for the Arizona Cardinals and their star safety. I, and I don't think they're as complicated as some people have made it out to be, Bo. And that, that's one of the interesting things about this. And, of course, we're, we're going forward with the assumption of the reports is that one of the things was that he wanted to be, or at least his agent was pushing for him to be the highest paid safety in the NFL. Well, one reality is that he already, on the contract he signed three years ago, on average per year, is the seventh highest paid safety in the NFL. The highest paid guy is Derwin James, who signed, I believe it was last year, mm-hmm. and he, he's making a you know, he, he, his average is a little over $4 million a year more than Buda Baker. That was on a more recent contract. One thing that's interesting is Buda's agent, David Mulageda, represents four of the top eight safeties in the NFL right now, and one of them is Derwin James. Now, there probably be, I would think, there'll be people who would say, well, no matter what, you know, Doug Farrar says and doesn't even rate Buda Baker in the top 20 or anything like that, I, th- I think we all believe that Buda Baker's in the top group of safeties in the NFL, but I think a lot of people would agree, yeah, I, I might say Derwin James is up there a little bit higher than Buda Baker. Be that as it may, Mulligata also represented Jesse Bates III, who signed in free agency this year with Atlanta, leaving the Bengals on a four-year deal that averages $16 million a year. That's an average of only $1.25 million more than Buddha. 
And so obviously we don't know what the agent is trying to accomplish here, but it wouldn't take that much to move him up a few spots into that list of top safeties. And to me, it, it's, it's pretty basic. And that is because he has two years left on his contract, no guaranteed money left. 13.1 million this year, 14.2 next year, non-guaranteed. So the first thing you do is just guarantee this year's salary. And if you want to keep it at 13.1, so be it. And the bottom line is if he's on the team, it becomes automatically guaranteed after right. the first week of the season. So that's that's the number one part of it. Then what, what you what you want to do is get him some immediate money, I would think. That's what they want. So what you do is, and he already has he has a cap figure of about 16.9 million this year. Next mm-hmm. year's cap is just under 18 million. Okay, so here's what you do. You give him the guaranteed money this year. The next year you give a guaranteed option bonus that doesn't kick in until the beginning of the 2024 league year. And what that does is it only prorates starting next year. So you wouldn't add any cap figures to this year. You could give him a signing bonus this year, lower the base salary, and save some money against the salary cap. And who knows? Give him a signing bonus, I don't know, 20, 25 million, whatever it might be, and then add a year to it at whatever salary they can agree to. And so you can increase the average per year, get him some guaranteed money in in in, in there. Maybe they want to, you know, maybe they want to add two more years to it after yeah. 2024. But if 2026 is not guaranteed, then you're not obviously committed to it. And so there's a way of playing with that signing bonus, that guaranteed signing bonus money, whether it's this year or you wait till next year. So you prorate that over the remaining years and you lower uh, the base salary with some of that to guarantee it. And so that lowers the cap figure. And not only this year, perhaps next year, it gives them even more to spend next year. So I don't, I don't see this as that complicated yeah. situation. Now, some are saying, well, then why don't they get it done? Why isn't he not signed by now? Well, these things still take time. The agent makes an offer, the team comes back. And then maybe the agents, well, why don't we do this? And they're playing with all these different numbers until you come up with an agreement. Obviously, I would think the deadline is training camp right now. Yeah. One thing you don't want is another hold-in, which you would probably guess that Buda Baker would do if there is not a new contract by the start of training camp. I believe they're on the same page, I would hope, and that they will get this done. And I think that those aspects of it that I mentioned are ways to do it without throwing your salary cap or throwing your budget, you know, totally, you know, totally out the window. Yeah. When you start to look at the breakdown or try to forecast, figure out what the team is doing and what the holdup potentially is. I mean, I think as far as this off season went in what Monty Austin was trying to accomplish and cleaning up, you know, the mess left by his predecessors and, and getting this team set up to navigate in offseason how he wants to do it and how he views is going to be the most successful and, and maybe the most efficient way for a rebuild. I don't think he was prioritizing going back to the negotiating table with a guy that he has under control, at least for this season and, and beyond this season, right? In 2023 and, and having the team option in 2024. So once he got everything kind of cleared up and out of the way, as far as accumulating assets, clearing salary space, you know, figuring out what they were going to do with free agents and, and then getting the draft all done and then getting through all the OTAs and mini camp, 
now that it's like dead season, the roster is basically complete outside of like what two, three openings. I think that this is a perfect time yeah. for Monty Osford to go to Buda Baker's representation and say, okay, how can we make Buda happy? Because obviously Monty outlined in his, his introductory press conference, his ideal football player is basically Buda Baker. He said pretty much that much, you know, and, and it seems like there's some simple solutions that aren't going to take up too many guaranteed future dollars from this organization, put them in at any risk as far as, you know, being cap strung with, with money tied up in Buda Baker, who's he's in his prime years. Like, I got to figure out, I got to assume that there is a way that they could make Buda Baker happy with his deal, restructure it a little bit and, and make him, you know, feel respected enough to put back on the uniform and go do what he does best. And that's play football for the Arizona Cardinals. No, I think you're a hundred percent right. And there's this been narrative put out there by some that, well, Monty Austin Fort in his first year as a general manager doesn't want to set a precedent and redo a guy with two years left on his contract. And what, what message does that send? Well, the bottom line on this team is who, who else? Is there anybody else that would be knocking on his door? Right. If, if he did that, there really isn't anybody else. And to me, the message you would be sending in a positive one is that, hey, we assume that Buda Baker wants to be here. We assume he wants to play here, even though he knows as much as he wants to win that this season might be a real slog uh, for this football team. Mm -hmm. But just by having a guy that wants to be a part of it and wants to be a part of this new way of doing things, that's sending a message to all these young guys, all these yeah. players that they brought in on one and two year deals with heart. I mean, th this team, Bo, spent somewhere around 27 million of guaranteed money in the offseason on 21 or 22 players. I mean, that's just crazy how little that is. Total of like 15 million in signing bonuses. Zach Allen got that deal from Denver. <laughs> right. He got a $15 million signing bonus and 32 million guaranteed. So they've they've watched they've watched that this year. And so what you're doing is you're sending a message to all these other guys who are going to be fighting for jobs that you it doesn't mean you have to be Buda Baker, but you show that passion, you show that ability, and when the time comes, we will take care of you. And I yeah. think that's the key. And like you said, this is a perfect time for it. I mean, I know it's a different regime, but that's when the Kyler Murray deal uh, got done uh, last season. Certainly DJ Humphreys didn't it. Marcus Golden didn't. And then yeah. they weren't practicing all that much right. during training camp. You want Buda Baker on the field, I believe, when training camp opens. And this is the type of guy, in my mind, I think everyone agrees, that you reward. Uh, you don't show uh, disrespect. I think one of the un untold parts of this a little bit is that we all watched Hard Knocks last year and saw that episode when uh, when his sister uh, was there with him and they were talking about colleges uh, to go to. And I'm fairly certain that his sister lives with him and she chose Arizona State. Mm -hmm. So that could be in the back of the mind, too. Hey, you know, I want to be here. I, I, I want to finish what I started, even though it's, you know, with new coaches and all those things. So as, as, as who was it? Was it Larry the Cable guy? Is that the guy? Whatever. He says, <laughs> Just get her done. Just get her done. I think they will. And, and everybody will be positive going into training camp, at least as positive as yeah. they can be. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Do. I didn't know I was going to have Howard Balzer on the show quoting Larry the Cable Guy, but here we are. I see uh, in the in the chat as well saying Monty is a dog. And you know what? Like when you think about the end of Steve Kimes' tenure as GM, and it's like 
when you have you think about parents, right? You had your one parent that was laying down the law and it was doing the legit parenting. And sometimes anytime you would ask for things, they would say no because you know, was it going to make sense for you as a child and in, in your development? Or were they just gonna or were there was the parent that was the pushover, right? And that's see so in my household, it's it's dad, it's me, right? Uh, and Steve Kime was kind of the pushover, like anything his players wanted, he kind of gave in, right? You had all the hold ins in the training camp last year. You had everybody pounding the table. You got to go to a corner. So he goes to Vegas and he sends a six round pick for Trayvon Mull and he, you need an offensive lineman. He sends a fifth round pick to Buffalo. The Cardinals need a move. So they just trade for Robbie chosen Anderson for when nobody's willing to trade for him. And he was just kind of the pushover GM where I think, you know, when Monty Austin got in the doors, first year GM for the Arizona Cardinals, he was set, had set the president, like, you're not going to take advantage of me. Like my pre the predecessor here. Like I am a guy that's going to be taken seriously. Like I, you can negotiate with me. Like I'm going to take care of my players, but you know, you want the third overall pick. You're going to have to, you give like what it what I view as you know what it's going to take to get that. If you you want to you want to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, you're going to have to give me equal value or better value. And he's he's proven so far that he's he's going to dig in and he's not going to give what he doesn't think is fair return. So uh, you know I think good GMs can can ride that fine line of you know taking care of their players, making smart business moves, but also not being a pushover. Well, I think in some fairness, the obviously going into this year, there, there's not a whole lot of expectations for this team. Sure. So you have a new GM, a new head coach. Completely and you, fair. And you, and you can kind of say, hey, okay, this is the way we're going to do it, no matter what anybody says. La- last year was a little different. I mean, this was a team that was talking Super Bowl. Hey, can we be the third team that to play the Super Bowl in our home stadium? Even with the, the very difficult finish to 2021, there was still that feeling that this was still a good football team. And so then you start, I mean, most of those trades, I mean, even the Marquise Brown trade, yeah. I mean, that was in direct correlation to DeAndre Hopkins suspension uh, coming up. I mean, who, who knows how ugly those first six games of the year would have been if they hadn't have made that team uh, made that deal for Brown when of course they could have had the center of the future in Tyler Linderbaum. But a yeah. lot of those deals I think were, basically done because you were trying to get this thing together. You know, Cody Ford was, you know, assigned because Justin Pugh was having more injuries and all of a sudden mm-hmm. they wanted depth and what happened then he got hurt. And so, and then, and then Rodney Hudson, you're, 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 you're convincing him and hoping that he will come back. And then what happens? He gets injured and can't play after the fourth game of the year. So a lot of the moves were necessitated by injuries in trying to keep this team at least to be competitive. And obviously it didn't work uh, because the injuries just kept mounting and mounting and mounting. And now it's, it's a start over in effect. So I, I can understand the deep, a lot of them didn't work out obviously, but a lot of those were done, I think, because of that feeling that this team could do, could do some really good things next year. And if you, and if you don't make moves, then everyone's going to be saying, well, holy, you're not doing anything. You lost this guy. You lost that guy. What are you doing? And so it's tough to do anything that works once the season starts. Hey, the year before, you could say, hey, look what he did. They, they went and traded for Zach Ertz after Max Williams got hurt. That, that turned mm-hmm. out to be obviously, you know, a pretty good move. And, and he helped salvage, you know, a lot of things for that 21 season. So, you know, like I said, so, so much 
was just out of everyone's control last year. Right. And certainly it's led to where we are right now. Marcus, FBI agent, Monty. Yeah, obviously, you know, he, he was asked about that in his press conference. That that was going to be his career path if he didn't get into football. Fishbowl flash, Monty, the Cardinal on Wall Street. Yeah, he's he's savvy out there. He's smooth negotiator and making all the right moves. Michael Evans saying five wins. Uh, yeah, you know, look, it's it's obviously not a team with, you know, Super Bowl aspirations, contending for a playoff spot, probably not in 2023, but obviously a team with a direction and a path. And you have to appreciate that, uh, that Monty Osfort is, is out there executing what he believes is the best path to finding consistent success for this organization. Uh, speaking of consistent success for the last 25 years, number one brewery in the state of Arizona has been four peaks and it continues to be and will be for a long time to come because they got these great things going on. Like I saw this at four peaks brew on Instagram. They've got this specially brewery dinner pairing event and it's going to be going on with the wonderful folks at the Arizona Biltmore moving on up there with the, uh, highfalutin folks over the Arizona Biltmore. They got the indulge in the delicious beer and dinner pairing experience where each dish is specifically crafted to perfectly perfectly complement their craft beers. It sounds like an incredible event. You can find out more about it. Follow them at Four Peaks Brew on IG. They've got you know giveaways that they're doing, contests. You can win D-backs tickets. You can help uh, teachers who are during their off-season. You can give a 1000 bucks to help support their school year that's coming up at the end of the summer. Four Peaks is doing everything. They're entrenched in the community, just like ph and Sports, and that's where we're proud to be. Partnered with them right now. You can go to, uh, of course, any game at Chase Field, hang out at the Four Peaks tap room out there in right field. They got the rattle on, red ale up there. It's smooth as Corbin Carroll's swing. Check out all their beers that they, that they brew out there. Kilt Lifter, of course, their flagship, the Wow Wheat. So many different, you know, different beers that they have, including your IPAs. Check out F4 Peaks Brew and F4 Peaks Pub on your socials. Keep up with the latest on Arizona's hometown brewery. You got to be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks. And you got to drink it responsibly. Singing out at studio all day, Howard. Uh, got a little hungry, and thanks to our friends over at Mountain Mike's. Uh, no hunger pangs for me. I was enjoying some nice. Pizza lunch from our friends over at Mountain Mike's. I believe it was a uh, Canadian bacon. That was a delicious tasting pie. Also, they just got the small pepperonis. Can't go wrong with that. And of course, if you can fortunate enough to get out of the off campus for lunch, go check out their lunchtime buffet. It's elite. Whether you're Mesa, Chandler, Tucson, go check out that lunch buffet. Thank them for the food because it's delicious. Head over to mountainmikespizza.com. Kids, my son's turning two today. I'm getting some mountain mics for my son for his little for a little get together we're gonna have. Happy birthday, my son Gray. We love you. We're gonna get have a pizza party. We're gonna hang out by the pool. Can't wait to do so. Thanks to Mountain Mikes. Mesa Chandler, Tucson. Place your order. And of course, if you're a diehard, you get a fifty dollar voucher upon signing up. Can't beat that. Howard, uh, you're out there in the East Valley. You you've gotta have, have had some mountain mics in your day. I haven't yet, so now that you just made me hungry uh, by talking <laughs> about it, so I definitely uh, will, will, will have to check it out. I'm yeah. a New York pizza guy, but my wife's a Chicago pizza person, so we, we, we eat a lot of different ones, so I'll definitely have to check out Mountain Mike's. Well, Eris is enjoying your insight, especially on the Buda Baker contract situation. It really does feel like there can be some common ground there. We talked, you and I were out there on the practice field 
uh, taken in minicamp, and Monty Osfort came by a couple times, and yeah. seems like he's close to vacation uh, as they have this downtime. I wouldn't be surprised to see you know some sort of restructuring report come out between now and training camp. It just seems like it would be uh, a good solution for these two two sides. No, no doubt. I'd be. I guess I'll I'll go on the record and say I'll be surprised if it doesn't yeah. happen. And even though it is vacation time, like you said, there are still cell phones and still ways to communicate. <laughs> so I'm sure there'll probably be some discussions going on. Probably won't get totally serious until the last week or so uh, before camp, because as we know, in a lot of these things, de- deadlines are what normally uh, get things accomplished. So. You know, to circle that date of July 27th uh, when the veterans report, which, like I mentioned, what, five weeks from tomorrow. And I, I, I like I said, I'd be surprised if they don't uh, get this accomplished in, in, in this time between now and then. Now, this might be me getting greedy here because uh, you put you on the record to say <laughs> that. Can I put you on the record to, to make a, another prediction? Well, I'll try. My predictions okay. aren't. If, good. I was joking to someone the other day. A lot of people know that I put together Lindy's uh, Pro Football Magazine, and uh, I mentioned I mentioned someone the other day. I've been doing that. This is my 31st magazine that I've done, and in the 30 previous years, I've yet to pick the Super Bowl team. So, <laughs> of course, you're doing it in May, but I don't know right. if you do it in May or September. But uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll always make some predictions. Doesn't mean they'll be right though. All right, I'm going to shoot on this one anyways. So if they don't iron out some sort of restructure contract solution between now and training camp, you think that Buda Baker's out there practicing with his teammates, or do you think he's going to pull off and continue to hold in? I would say he would continue to hold in, uh, and I'd be surprised if there, – there's another thing. I'd be surprised if he doesn't uh, because that that's the one thing you, you, you don't want to do. We see it around the NFL. It's not as if the Cardinals were the only team it happened to. Uh, last summer, but it's it's not a great look when the guy isn't out there and the team is coming having to come up with different you know, <laughs> you know different explanations. I mean, the DJ Humphrey one was classic uh, last yeah. year with Humphreys when uh, they said he had a stomach virus and yet he's out there every day standing standing among his teammates and and all that. And then all of a sudden they sign into a new deal and miraculously the stomach mm-hmm. virus went away and he was on the field uh, the next day. So. It's it, you know it's something that you, you you want you want Baker out there, and I think that the organization understands that. But hey, it still takes two sides uh, to make a deal, and we don't know how strident the agent and Buddha are about quote the you know I don't think the Cardinals are going to go to 19 million a year or a little you know we know that when Kyler Murray signed last year, he got whatever it was you know a million more than the total yeah. that Sean Watson get uh, got. I don't think we're going to see that uh, with Buddha Baker. But I might be surprised that if it would happen. But again, you don't have to be right at the top uh, to make a guy happy. And I think as long as the Cardinals do that in good faith, that this will get done. Marcus saying Monty uh, <laughs> going to uh, make NFL owners jealous. A lot of them saying, why can't we find a GM like Osenfort? Feels surreal to have a competent management of their professional football team here in the desert. Absolutely. Uh, and then thank you, Fishbowl Flash and Mr. J for the uh, the happy birthday wishes for my son. Um, so we talk about the expectations for the Arizona Cardinals this year and NFL Network, their Good Morning Football crew, put together kind of these tiers. 
And this is their Instagram. So this is the NFC tiers, Howard, that they have. One, they have your championship contenders, I would assume. It's Philadelphia and San Francisco. Next, you have the Dallas Cowboys, Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks, and the Giants. Probably your playoff teams or teams that are poised to maybe make a run deep in the playoffs. And then your your fringe playoff teams, like the Detroit Lions, the L.A. Rams, if everything goes well with their stars and if Stafford's healthy and Cooper Cup's healthy, and then the New Orleans Saints with Derek Carr. And then you have this fourth tier. It's like, uh, we'll see, probably not their year. The Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers, and Washington Commanders. Uh, if And then that's it. That's the NFC tiers. Like, so I, I mentioned all the teams, the night, except for the Arizona Cardinals. They didn't even have the Cardinals logo on this tier list at all. They completely omitted the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, then I looked to their Twitter, and they had the same list. So it's the big dogs, the Eagles, and Niners. The hovering close to the big dog status, Cowboys, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants. 2DB, TBD is Lions, Saints, Rams. And then shock the world, they have the same Commanders, Packers, Bears, Bucks, Panthers, Falcons. And then you realize, like, once I think they realize they effed up, they put the Cardinals at the bottom. And it's like, oh, hey, the Cardinals here are at the shock the world tier. I mean, just absolutely, like, when you're looking for signs of disrespect, even for a rebuilding team, this is about as bad as it gets. I just wonder if they ran out of space. <laughs> Who knows? It looked like on both those graphics, there was no space for another logo on the first one. And then I'm not like the graphics God here, but here's the thing. You well, can resize it. You can resize it to fit all the teams. It's, exactly. I mean, there's, there's 30 teams in the league. What is it? 14 in the, in the NFC and 16 in the AFC. I might've flipped that. I can't remember, but I mean, what, what are we doing here? I'm sorry. 15 in each side. I mean, what are we doing? No, it is 16. But, you know, to think down the bottom, I'm surprised they didn't put Cardinals shock the galaxy and then <laughs> the world. But, yeah, it, it was certainly, a, you know, this team isn't getting a whole lot of respect. This team is kind of, you know, I think understanding that to a degree, but accepting right. it and saying, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy shocking the world. Are they really? And what, and what do they have to do to shock the world? I mean, heck, I think if they won five or six games, that would probably – uh, shocked the world so you know who knows crazy things can happen I, I remember I forget the season but maybe five six years ago when Todd Bowles although it might have even been longer a lot of times I, I always have a rule of thumb if you think something was three years ago it was really like double that right it was a lot longer than you think but Todd Bowles was the head coach of the Jets and universally there were people saying they won't win a game that roster is just horrible they, they don't have a chance of winning a game and they they went out and won five somehow and, and they played competitive, solid football. And so who knows? You know, maybe, maybe the, you know, a lot of things would have to go right, obviously, for that to happen. And it's a very difficult schedule that the Cardinals have. I mean, one, one of the things that I do in Lindy's is the, the one thing I hate to a degree are the strength of schedule stories uh, that people put out. Because all they do is they add up the records of the whole of everybody on the schedule. And then someone will look at it and say, well, why does this team have a hard schedule when they were last in the division? Well, because you're taking into account the three teams that are ahead of them in the mm -hmm. division, and you play them a total of six times. And so what I do is I break it down. And the, and the Cardinals have clearly, by far, and that's, this is the whole division, has the hardest schedule in, the, in almost half the games. Of the eight non-division games, the, the, the NFC West, 
plays teams that won almost 61% of their games last year. That's how tough it is. The next team, number two, their next division is the AFC East at five, at 58%. That's why a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, everyone's saying, oh, the Jets are going to make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. But those, those that division has a really tough schedule. And mm-hmm. it would be very unlikely that all the teams – would make the playoffs. So who knows how it'll play out. But after that, it goes all the way down to 52% for the AFC West. And there's three teams that are under 500 with those eight non-division games. And so that's going to be tough on the whole division, but certainly uh, difficult, you know, on the Cardinals. And so the other three games besides the division games, well, you know, they're playing fourth place teams in, in the division. In the, in the divisions that they're playing. So those could be games that you can argue, hey, maybe those are games they can steal. So we'll see. But I think one thing we will see is, is a team that goes out there and, and, and just competes, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win those close games. And they lost a bunch of close games yeah. last year. It's going to be even harder to win those close games this year because of the quality of teams uh, that they're playing. Yeah, the, the only time it we didn't see at least one team that was really pre- – projected or predicted to play horribly like normally like when when they're predicting teams to be like last year seattle was one of the teams that people said just write them off they're gonna be terrible they're rebuilding they got rid of you know russell wilson and they're gonna lean on geno smith at least for the time being and maybe drew lock will you know push uh for playing time there and they completely shocked the world and but the only time it it didn't work out. I remember when the, when Jacksonville was picking one and, and the Jets were picking two. Normally, you see those teams that pick one two show you know significant at least improvement the following year because they're picking at the top of the draft. They usually have decent cap space, but the Jets and Jags were horrible. But normally, like there are a lot of especially in the NFL, it happens more often than the, the other professional sports leagues. Like you will see a team that goes from the outhouse to the penthouse or close to it. And, and contends for a playoff spot. And that's what's great about the NFL. And that's why, you know, fan bases don't give up hope completely. But look, the, to say the Arizona Cardinals aren't, you know, undermanned and their roster isn't, you know, un, you know kind of not to, to at least on par with the rest of the league, I think it would be a bit naive. I think that they absolutely have their challenges. What, what would really they have to do to compete and, and really change people's opinions is if the coaching staff really has this team ready to play and can kind of win that that game of chess against their opponent uh, and win games against teams that you know that they're close to roster wise. Like I, I know, like I'm not going to sit here and predict that they're going to upset you know the San Francisco 49ers, but them taking on Washington Commanders week one or the game that they're going to play against the Houston Texans. I think that those are games that they could they could certainly win and and surprise a lot of people by by just adding victories against opponents uh, uh, with similar roster builds. No, I, I think you're right. And I think, but I think when we look at this, we, we know that a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Health, yeah. obviously, starting out as number one and – NFL games, NFL teams win in the trenches. Uh, that is something that will never change. I think it's forgotten sometimes during the year when a team is either struggling or doing whatever, and, and and everyone points to the quarterback or points to the play caller or whatever it might be when when the real issues are either on the offensive or defensive line. 
And that's right now where the Cardinals have a lot of questions. I mean, yes, we, we expect Paris Johnson Jr. to play somewhere, but he will be a rookie. We've seen yeah. rookies come into this league and play well. Where will he play? Is it left guard? Is it right tackle? If it's right tackle, who will be the left guard? Who will be the center? And and that line has to play well. Well, and on the other side, I mean, name their defensive line right now. I mean, well, exactly. You, you know some of the guys who are going to vie for it. You know, Rashard Lawrence, I think Carlos Watkins is in that conversation. Ben Stilley, like these are all pretty unproven players in like – if the offensive line works out, but the on the other side, the beef, the defensive line, there's not enough beef there to help, you know, set up these this new linebacking core and pass rushing unit. Like it's it's really going to be a long season. So, and there's so many question marks. To your point, like a lot has to go right. Like I, I think there's a lot of confidence in this coaching staff, and I think there's some intriguing players. But like it's not all going to go right. Like right now, it's like this is the easiest. Just like it's uh, pajama ball, according to JG, everybody looks good in shorts, right? At this point, we don't really know what this roster is made of and, and where it lacks and where its strengths are. So, uh, yeah, and remember, it's not only pajama ball and shorts, but you're also playing against yourself, right? And so, so that can skew some, you know, some feelings also. And so, you know, I understand people saying, "Oh man, I like what." what Austin Ford has done and all of a sudden they're almost ready to anoint the guy. And I'm not saying it's not going to work out, but you know, let's tap the brakes a little bit until we see this, you know, all play out and hopefully it will work out. It it, it definitely, it it definitely looks like a professional operation uh, that they have. But as I've always said, Bo, I mean, people should realize it's hard to win a game in the NFL. This is a hard league to be good in on a consistent basis. And so many things, have to go have to go right. Now I alluded to it earlier when we were talking about the running game. I mean, you, your your top three receivers coming back are all five foot nine or less. So you're hoping that a Zach Pascal uh, can can contribute. You're hoping that the rookie Michael Wilson uh, and and he looks like he can be a pretty good player. But mm-hmm. can you expect that and count on that from a rookie? And and who knows what it's going to look like for however many games we assume that Colt McCoy uh, will have to play. And I know people are calling. Oh, why not put out put Clayton Tune out there and let's let's see what happens. Well, that I don't know if that's something you want to do with a rookie fifth round pick uh, right out of the box. So right, you know, we'll see. it's 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 going to be fascinating to watch. But I think everybody has to remember all these things that we're saying now, and not forget about them when the season begins and maybe they start losing some games. I like to call that collective amnesia, and we'll see if too many people get afflicted uh, by that. If it, if it isn't working out, especially early in the season. Eris is saying he's okay with four wins this season as long as they are competitive in each and every game. Marcus is saying six wins in his humble opinion. Sports yeah. media putting out fake news. Uh, just kidding. Victor saying, I honestly think we're better. Uh, we're going to be a lot better than people think. I really, uh, based off coaching and money, will squeeze out six wins. Agent 47, we have a lot of young players, so it's hard uh, to see where we'll be standing at the end of the year. Ray says four wins at the end of the season uh, or this season. And then Vic saying hot takes because it's what? 101? Is that the temperature? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Probably even hotter than that. Right. <laughs> it's, going, hot. it's, it's going to get hotter. 
Right. right. Hot takes, hot deals right now. PHNXlocker.com. Also, uh, find out and become a diehard today. We got the Knockout Knights Cornhole Tournament. Going to be fired back up at the beginning of July. You don't want to miss out on the first Friday. It's going on through August. We got our squads out there competing in the heat out there on the Great Lawn, of course, where we're going to invade during each and every football Sunday this year before Cardinals games, home and away. But uh, free to enter the Knockout Knights Cornhole Tournament. Diamondbacks takeovers. We've got a few more of those coming up. Of course, you got the pregame meetup, Four Peaks Draft House, Chase Field. Save some money on those. But becoming a diehard, you get you get access to the entire website, all the content, including all the great articles that Howard's writing and churning out at gophnx.com. Plus, you get to uh, get into our Discord. So you love the chat here during the shows. You can continue that chat in the Discord, talking Cardinals football with myself, Johnny, Got to become a membership member to do that. You receive that exclusive content, discounts on all events, and you get discounts on merchandise as well. Become a diehard. Get in the Discord chats. Don't miss out on any of the Cardinals uh, talk or or anything going on with the Suns, Coyotes, D-backs, Sun Devils, Wildcats, whatever you're into, you can join the chat today. Just got to become a diehard. Find out more. Go phnx.com. Make sure you're following Howard. On Twitter at H Balzer, what was uh, what's the number attached to that? Seventy two, I believe, right? H Balzer seventy two. Seven twenty one. Seven twenty one. I apologize, but H no Balzer seven twenty one. Howard, thanks for joining us today. You got more work coming your everybody's way. At gophnx.com, including some of the discussion we had about Buddha Baker. Can't wait for that. Uh, expect Johnny Venerable to be back on the show tomorrow if the move. Went all well and good, and he's got probably better internet just because he's out of Maricopa, one would just assume. So we're excited to see that and have our guy JV back on the program. Uh, In the meantime, subscribe to PHNX Sports here on YouTube. Make sure you're set up for alerts anytime we go live, especially with breaking news. You don't want to miss out on that. And like this video. Had a great time hanging out with our guy Howard. I'm Bo Brock. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you on a Thursday edition of PHNX Cardinals.